Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Body Justice. I started this podcast because I believe that all bodies are good bodies. All bodies are deserving, worthy, and all bodies are whole, just as they are. In today's world, it's ever hard to embody this as our truth. My mission is to create a space to process body image, eating disorders, and relationships through a justice-oriented lens. I'm a licensed therapist in California and an eating disorder survivor myself. I know what it's like to be at war with myself and also to find peace again. Thank you for being here and I look forward to being your host. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Body Justice. So this episode, there's no interview. I want to provide a quick skills-based episode for you all. Um, So first of all, I want to talk about the five things that often hold people back in eating disorder recovery. These are some of the five most common things I see every day in my work with clients. Um, And in my own experience, I definitely experience these as well. Um, so if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is me, don't worry. Um, it's so normal and you're definitely not alone. Like I said, I hear these five things all the time. Um, eating disorders are a real mental illness. It's not something we choose and it's definitely not something we can just change through willpower. Um, it takes a lot of intention, a lot of support, a lot of new skills to let go of those eating disorder behaviors. So above all else, I'm sending you so much love, compassion, and encouragement to get the help you need now. Um, So without further ado, let's go into these top five things that hold people back in eating disorder recovery. Number one, and this is a huge one, is questioning whether you're sick enough. I hear this all the time, but do I really have an eating disorder? Maybe it's not that bad. Um, everyone else seems to be doing this diet thing. Um, and you're right. There's a certain level of disordered eating just normalized in our culture. Diet industry and wellness culture has become just so rampant. So it's hard to notice, you know, am I doing something that's harmful or am I just doing what's normal? And the answer is both, right? Like you can be doing something harmful that is completely normalized. Um, and a key feature of eating disorders is that they convince us we're not really that sick. There's actual brain changes that go on, um, especially for people with restrictive eating disorders. There's this brain change called anaxnosia, um, and I may be totally pronouncing that wrong. It's a long word, but basically um, it makes us feel like everything's fine. Um, it kind of is like sort of like a little bit of delusional thinking. Um, And it's not your fault. It's the eating disorder brain that's taken over. Um, Oftentimes we compare ourselves to the Hollywood idea of eating disorders, you know, the thin, white, able-bodied look. And this is not always accurate. Sure, some people do get to this level, but for a lot of other people, um, their body weight may stay the same. They may not be visibly malnourished. However, inside you can be malnourished, even if your body's appearance, quote unquote, doesn't fit that Hollywood look. Um, so we, you know, these harmful comparisons really keep us stuck. 
Um, and eating disorders really impact people of all sizes, shapes, abilities, ethnicities. Um, you know, there's a lot of people struggling. They don't discriminate. Socioeconomic status, you name it. Um, and what I always tell my clients is if you're struggling with thoughts about food, exercise, and or your body, and it's causing you distress, you know, it's changing the way you interact with others, it's um, all you can think about, and so work has become difficult or school, you know, then you're sick enough. If there is any amount of distress in these thoughts, you are sick enough. Why wait until it gets worse? Um, early intervention gives you the best shot at recovery. Research time and time again shows that. And what I always tell my clients is if someone with cancer had 10% cancer, you wouldn't tell them, oh, you're not sick enough to go get help. You don't need that chemotherapy. You don't need that radiation treatment. Um, it's just 10%. You know, you would never say that. So you need to look at the eating disorder as a serious illness because it is. And when we have even 5 or 10 or even 2%, it has room to grow. It spreads. It never just stays there. Um, so just know you are absolutely sick enough. Another big one I see is lack of self-compassion. Um, a lot of us that struggle with eating disorders are our own worst critics. We are so, so hard on ourselves. We often struggle with things like perfectionism, um, anxiety, things that just make us very inclined to be negative towards ourselves. Um, and so one of the big shifts that has to happen is learning how to be self-compassionate. No one can change with shame. Shame keeps us stuck, keeps us in this cycle of feeling bad and you know using harmful behaviors to alleviate that shame and the cycle just keeps going. Um, so really beating yourself up for those mistakes, quote unquote, along the way, which are really just learning lessons, by the way, is a guaranteed way to keep you stuck. So no matter what you did, no matter what behavior you used, try to offer yourself the same kind of caring response you would give to a friend. Um, this is how lasting change happens. It only happens when we're kind to ourselves, when we are curious with ourselves and mindful of the thoughts and behaviors we're using. Only then we can strategize what really needs to be done differently. And a quick exercise you can do on self-compassion Number one, go check out Kristen Neff's website on self-compassion. She's kind of like the guru of self-compassion. Um, and she has tons of exercise for how to cultivate it. But one quick one that she has that I always use with clients, um, you take out a sheet of paper. The exercise is called, How Would You Treat a Friend? First, I want you to think about times when a close friend has felt really bad and is struggling in some way. Think about how you respond to this friend in the situation. Um, write down what you would typically say, what you would do, even note the tone of voice and body posture you would have towards your friend. Now, think about times when you feel bad about yourself or are struggling. How do you typically respond to yourself in those situations? Write down what you typically do, what you would typically say, and note the tone in which you talk to yourself. Do you notice any difference? If so, ask yourself why. Why is it different, you know, in how I talk to someone else versus myself? What factors or fears come into play that lead you to treat yourself and others so differently? Lastly, number four, 
write down how you think things might change if you responded to yourself in the same way you typically respond to a close friend when they're suffering. You know, and why not treat yourself like that friend and see what happens? Because you know the shame spiral, the beating yourself up hasn't been working, right? Or you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So just practice it. It's going to feel extremely awkward. And that's what I always tell my clients. It's going to feel very weird at first. But the more you practice it, the easier it gets. And you might actually notice it gets more habitual. It's like rewiring a neural pathway. Instead of going down that beat yourself up path, you're now building a self-compassionate path. And it's going to take time. But the more you practice it, the more you write it out, you say it to yourself, it's going to get easier. And it's definitely going to benefit your recovery. Um, And so the other tool is fear of the unknown. So this is another big barrier is fear of the unknown. Um, Life with an eating disorder sucks, right? It's terrible. It blocks you from experiencing real joy. And it also offers some illusion of certainty and control. Um, Otherwise, we wouldn't do it, right? It's oftentimes a way to cope with past trauma um, or difficult emotions. It's really, really hard to let that go. And a lot of clients I have worked with are so fearful of what life after recovery is really like. Um, They know that the eating disorder has become a comfort, even though it's really quite uncomfortable it's, a com- it's an uncomfortable that's known, right? And it's a shield from the woes of life. So it's so hard to let go of this shield that's been protecting us. But the problem is, and the analogy I like to use is, you know, the eating disorder is like a big warm blanket that's been given to you in a really hard, cold winter, right? But now you're at the beach in sunny San Diego where I live And this coat is no longer serving you. It is keeping you trapped. It is hot. It is uncomfortable. Um, But it's also scary to take off because you've been wearing it for so long. You've become so used to it. But again, it's blocking you from living the life you really want to live. And real life is not easy. Recovered life, I don't want to give you, you know, like this rainbows and butterflies type of story, covered life doesn't mean you don't have problems anymore. It's still hard, but you don't have this trap of the eating disorder on top of it. Um, And so it's vulnerable, it's raw, it's hard at times, you're experiencing all types of emotions, but it also is much more freeing, empowering, joyful, spontaneous, and just downright meaningful. When I was trapped in the eating disorder, You know, it was a comfortable place to be for a little while, but my life wasn't very meaningful. You know, I felt like I had no sense of purpose. Um, I just really genuinely wasn't happy. So when I recovered, I realized that everything worth living for is really on the other side of all that fear. That's a motto I still use to this day. And I always tell my clients, after you recover, if you hate it, you can go back. You know, you just, you know, the eating disorder thing isn't working. So let's give this recovery thing a try. If you hate it at the end, you can always go back. You know how to do it. Um, But I've never seen someone who reached full recovery and wanted to go back because it's just simply not worth it. Um, You know, and the other thing that is another big barrier is a lack of new coping skills. Um, So as you let 
coping skills, the eating disorder behaviors go, you now have all the underlying emotions, traumas, etc. arising because the eating disorder essentially was a coping skill, right? It wasn't a very healthy one. It was hurting you, but it was a coping skill nonetheless. So now we have to find new ways to cope. It's crucial to have those new ways to cope. Otherwise, it's too easy to go back. So this is where when you're working with therapists, you look at new coping skills you can turn to. For me, this was things like um, art, turning to people, social support instead of turning to food. Um, You know, it was all sorts of different things for me and you really have to find what works for you. Um, But again, your treatment team should be providing you with tons of tools and skills to combat the eating disorder thoughts and cope with urges in different ways. You can also check out one of my other podcast episodes on coping with emotions where I really talk in depth about ways to cope. And the last thing, and definitely not least, is having the right support, okay? And I want to emphasize the right support. Most people need a team approach. Not everyone, but a lot of people need a team. This means a team of eating disorder specialized therapists, recovery coaches, eating disorder, health at every size informed dietitians and medical doctors, support groups that specialize in eating disorders. These are all really good recommendations and people are gonna vary on which types of providers they need. I didn't use all of these, but I certainly used some of them. Um, And it's just very individualized. So that's something you talk about with your therapist and other people on your team on what's going to work for you. Um, But above all else, you want to make sure that they are all health at every size informed and anti-diet aligned, especially the dietitian. Otherwise, we can potentially do more harm. So having that right support, that is the last tip I have for you guys. I just want to emphasize though that no one recovers alone. Access to resources can be a huge challenge here, but there are some free and low-cost options. You can look on the National Eating Disorder Association website um, for options. You can ask providers for sliding scale. You can also check out Project Heal. They have different options there for getting um, support for treatment. Um, Also look into community support, friends and family that can maybe play a role. Um, But yes, no one recovers alone. You don't have to do this alone. And I'm so glad you listened to this today. Hope it was helpful for you. If you enjoyed listening to this episode today about the five things that often hold people back in eating disorder recovery, I really encourage you to check out my online course, Essential Skills for Eating Disorder Recovery. You can find this in my Instagram bio link at bodyjustice.therapist. Just click on my link tree in my bio and you'll find the course. Um, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about, about the chapters in the course so you know what to expect. So you're gonna get two and a half hours of video content. You're gonna get PDF content, um, worksheets and experiential activities. And the different chapters that are covered are making peace with food, building motivation for recovery, identifying and coping with eating disorder urges, coping with emotions in recovery, learning how to externalize the eating disorder with values clarification, body image healing, and then social justice and recovery. So the thing that really sets my course apart is you're going to get 
like I said, a ton of tools to just fast track your recovery. And I cover things like social justice and eating disorder recovery. And why do I do this? Well, a lot of you that have been following me for a while know that social justice is super important to me. Um, and you've heard me probably talk about how it's related to eating disorder recovery. And so I include this in here because a lot of you that follow me are also very interested in social justice. And so I want this to be, you know, number one, building awareness around these issues, but also to help continue to motivate your recovery because you choosing to recover is also you choosing to work on dismantling some of these systems of oppression that make eating disorders more likely for people. So I want you to have that much more meaning to fuel your recovery because that is one thing that really helped me. So anyways, you can go check out the course. You can DM me if you have any questions. If you need a discount code, I'm happy to offer that to you. I want this course to be accessible to anyone that needs it. There are way too many barriers to recovery. So this is my way to give something back to the community. So let me know, DM me for that code and tell me what you think.